toleration be the love before pride and exaltation be the love be the love you are listening to be the love to awaken our souls we are souls on the journey and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings we are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrian Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Nicholas David Mann. Namaste. My name is Nistella Joy Davy. This is Ron Interpreter, and you're listening to Be the Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. Thank you again so much for tuning in this week. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Brenda Carey with our special guest, Dr. Amanda Chan. We are your co-hosts and souls on the journey, and we would like to thank our Patreon supporters for allowing this weekly conscious conversation. We are so grateful for all the support we have received with monthly donations on Patreon, the five-star written reviews on iTunes and Spotify, and the connection within our Awakening Souls Facebook community. We are on a mission to raise the consciousness of humans and the planet, and we need your help. Please spread the word to your family and friends and join us every week. And if you like what you hear, support us in a way that raises your vibration to love. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to invite you to take a moment and get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through the nose and out through the mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy, and breathing out anything you are ready to release in this now moment. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself. And imagine breathing that light and love and send it back to all of humanity remembering that you always, always have your breath to come back to. Our guest today is Dr. Amanda Chan. She is a non-traditional chiropractor who focuses on healing and optimizing the nervous system. She studied various modalities of healing from all over the world and is on a mission to guide people on their healing journey. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me. So I would love to hear about your journey and just what has led you down the spiritual path. Yeah, sure. So I've always known that I wanted to be in the healing arts of some kind um, since I was young. And I was mostly exposed to the traditional healing. So it was going to be a nurse or a doctor um, until I realized I can't actually take a lot of things that are generally recommended for people. <laughs> and so I've had to go on a journey of self-discovery to find out alternative healing methods, 
that would work for me and my body. Mm. So it sounds like you've really been on that journey to find out what works for you so you can help support people that you work with. Absolutely. And, you know, when you send out that vibration or the frequency that you've have a little bit of knowledge in one area, then it matches other people who need to hear that same message and to seek out the same modalities that you have and give them a try. Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. I've found that to be tr- very true in my own work as a psychotherapist. You know, as I'm working on something, clients will show up in my own practice. I get to support them, or maybe I've just finished working through something and th- there comes the client that has gone through something I had just maybe experienced or maybe in the past. So it is that vibration and we get to go through those things to help support the people that we're meant to help. So tell us a little bit more about just the work that you do with clients. I understand you do some work with the the nervous system and healing. And and so tell us about that piece of your work. So I have two areas in which I work. I do have a brick and mortar, like an office location Mm -hmm. in Canada or in Ottawa. And then I also have an online component. And so all the parts that we work on are not looking at the person just as the physical, but we want to see the emotional, mental, spiritual aspect of the person. We want to look at all of those areas and then determine the best modalities for somebody to use in order to achieve their next level of healing. That's fascinating because I I read in your bio just a little while ago, you said non-traditional chiropractor. So I'm curious, like what, how would you differentiate, differentiate yourself from like the traditional chiropractor versus what you do? Like, what's the difference? Uh, Well, physically I use a very gentle and light touch technique. So there's no cracking, snapping and nothing like that. And also from the analysis of a person, let's say someone came in with low back pain from shoveling snow, because we have a lot of it here. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we, I also want to know, like, I want to know how much snow they lifted, you know, what their technique was like, but I will also ask them, you know, what were you thinking and feeling while you were shoveling? Mm. Like, were you saying, I hate my job, I hate my job, I hate my job. Mm. And then your back went out? Or did you say, how come I'm the only one out here? How come no one else is helping me? Why am I feeling so alone? And then your back went out, right? Yeah. want to look at all of that. I love that because I think so often, like people will come to me as a holistic lifestyle coach and they're just saying, oh, I have, I have back pain. Like, and they focus on the one physical symptom and I'm, I want to know so much more information. So it sounds like you and I look for the same things. I'm like, well, what were you thinking while you were shoveling Mm -hmm. or like, what are your belief systems around winter time or, you know, physical labor or whatever it is. And I think it's, it's finding not just the physical symptoms as something to get rid of, but I feel like they can be messages to something even deeper into the mental emotional component. Is that kind of what you're also looking for as well? hundred percent. We always take the body, like what signals that are coming up as messages. And, you know, it only becomes pain when you don't learn something from it, right? If you get a lesson from transcending it, then it was all, there was a purpose behind it. Yeah. I think the emotional components, you know, really do connect with the physical as well. And as a psychotherapist, I'm looking for the same thing. So it's like, it's so beautiful how our works are different, but there's so many similarities because there is 
that root cause, the emotional, like recently I was working with a woman who had a, a toothache and traced it back to the meridian that was connected to her SI joint because that was also, I asked her actually, I was like, have you ever had any problems with your SI joint? And she's like, yeah, I've been like, at, you know, going to physical therapy for that as well. And so I was like, well, there's the connection there. And so we've been working on finding that emotional connection, but it's so fascinating how everything is super connected like that. And when we tap into the emotion behind it and, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of time, especially for the, the older pain, there's like that energy of like the back, you know, maybe not feeling supported or feeling like there's a heavy burden that you have to take on. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about that and what maybe what you've seen as far as like connections to those emotional pains into the physical. Sure. So it's interesting. It always works synchronicities, right? Mm -hmm. um, I wrote this morning, I was writing a blog how if you change your emotions, you change your destiny. So if you just have, let's say, two emotions, happy and sad in your nervous system that you respond with, whatever comes up your way, you know, traffic, you know, you get an email, traffic comes up, you're either happy, sad, happy, sad, right? Um, you stub your toe, you're happy or sad. But if you have a wider range of emotion, happy, sad, mad, glad, let's say, then you can choose a different response, right? Because you would respond differently if it was happy versus glad, mm. right? So if you change your range of emotions, then your body is better adapted to handle whatever comes your way. So I'm curious, like, let's say a person wants to choose a different feeling or a different response, like what kind of process would you take them through to help guide through that process? Because for many people, they, they feel like they're like a victim of their feelings, like there is no choice involved. And, and sometimes just the awareness and is one thing. But then once they're aware, like, what, how do I shift it? What do I do? So what would be something you might guide a person through? Yeah. So as you said, the awareness piece, the first thing I would probably do is get them, you know, just make a list of your the emotions that you experience on, a, let's say, a weekly basis, just so we can have an idea of what they think they see. Right. And then I would ask them to pay attention during the day. So let's say they came in and their shoulders were up to here and their head is out forward. Right. I would then say, how did it get there? Right. Like observe yourself as you know, you're leaning towards your computer screen, observe yourself as the shoulders come up, right? Then we get into what thoughts were you thinking? And then what was the meaning you gave to those thoughts that gave you the emotion behind it? I love I that. Know. Yeah, there's just so much energy. And, and when we really pay attention to our thoughts and when we can get mindful of that, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, do you have them journal through, like, what, is there a certain exercise that you have to have them help them pay attention to those thoughts or the energy of where their body is? Well, if I'm working with somebody, most of the time I work with the body. So I ask them, where do they feel tension in their body when they're thinking a certain thought or feeling a certain emotion? So I might take them back to when was the last time you felt the happiest mm. and then connect them with, okay, where in your body are you feeling the most free, right? Mm. The most happy. 
what's your energy doing there? And so we try and get them into that state where they felt it before or where they labeled that as to be happy or excited or whatever. Mm. So that the next time they experience that emotion, they can go, oh, I'm feeling this. That's beautiful. So it's really helping them connect with the energy, the emotional awareness of that, and then maybe expanding that to the rest of their, their body. Absolutely. Yeah. In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking like, we've, we've chatted about this before Stacy and I about embodying what we want to create in our bodies. And like, for me personally, I have, I'm a yoga teacher and I have a regular practice. And so creating space with lengthening my muscles and create, just creating more space in my body creates more space and openness in my mind. And the reverse can be true. I think like we can feel more contracted in our body with, I am totally a victim of hunching my shoulders up to my ears. It is like this old pattern, but I am more aware of it to relax my shoulders down. And I'm like, oh, and like once I embody that release, like my mind is just much more relaxed and open. So I love how you do bring in this sense of embodiment um, with our belief system and what we're what we're feeling. I think that's so important and often overlooked when we're in pain. Yes, we go into the pain. Mm -hmm. Ooh, speak more about that. Yeah, so I tell people that, well, pain is unavoidable, right? (laughs) We're Mm going to have pain, you're going to stub your toe, whatever. Suffering is optional because some people, they will always have an experience. Let's say you're working out and you haven't done it in a while. The next day you're in pain, but you're not suffering. You know, you're going to be in pain right? If you're a woman and you've given birth before, well, we know it's painful, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. but it's not suffering because you know there's something on the other end, right? Mm-hmm. So suffering tends to occur with the meaning that you give something or when you don't know when something's going to ever end, mm-hmm. right? So we go into the pain, not into the suffering of it, mm-hmm. right? Because like I said, if you know you break your arm, you know you're in the cast for six to eight weeks after that you got pissed, you'll you know, you're in pain, right? But Mm -hmm. people don't suffer from that. They Mm -hmm. just know, okay, this is just how long it's going to take. But if you have like a chronic illness, and you don't know when you're going to get out on the other side, that's when the suffering can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's so much pain. And and I think, you know, in our culture, we've been conditioned to be afraid of pain, and to try to avoid it and push it down, whether or not it's emotional or physical, we, we push it away and, and try to avoid feeling that. And so for someone going into the pain, you know, it can be a scary process at first and and maybe create it to feel bigger than it is at first. But then in my experience, I I, maybe it it helps to dissipate that in a way. Would you say that's um, true for you as well? For sure. And, you know, there's always also the element that we need to, when I first meet somebody, if it's one-on-one or over virtual there's got to be an element of safety, right? Mm -hmm. That is first created and in order to allow somebody to go into it, Mm -hmm. right? So if somebody is in a state where we can't, we just breathe, Mm -hmm. right? You just connect to the breath and the body. And then maybe we just talk to the body. Mm-hmm. You no, know, maybe we just bring gratitude for the things that are going right in the body. Yeah, I was say I think that you make a really great, beautiful point because there is that that sense of safety. People like sometimes, you know, especially if they've experienced a lot of trauma, haven't felt maybe safe with someone, and so it takes time to build that rapport with the practitioner too. So to make sure that there is that safety component 
to say, okay, this is, it's okay to maybe go into this pain or to relax into it. I'm wondering too, like speaking of trauma, I know for me, like I work with a lot of people that have experienced a lot of trauma and so their bodies are super tense and they haven't been able to relax and they're in that constant state of fight or flight or freeze appease that trauma response and so i'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that and how do you work with someone in that state right so you know, the nervous system is developed in utero, right? Like when you are in your mom's belly, that's when your nervous system starts to create itself, you know, the spinal cord and all the nerves. And so the brilliance is that it is develops you for the environment that you're going to come out into. So if mom was stressed, right, if mom had a lot of cortisol, adrenaline running through her body, you would feel it too. And your nervous system would adapt to that. Like you had ears to hear, So if you heard a lot of yelling and screaming, then your nervous system would start to resemble that as well. So that when you come out, you would be okay in your environment. So we take a look at how long has your nervous system been set in a certain way. And that's why, hey, maybe that's why you're hyper alert, right? And then we look at the gifts in that. And then we look at what's working and what's not working for you so that we can start to shift. Mm, So it sounds like there's some of the like generational trauma like things that are happened in utero that we absorb maybe even on like a cellular level. So fascinating. I think it is. And why do you think now is work like this with the nervous system, like so important and so crucial? Like why now? Well, I think I saw a lot during this past couple of years (laughs) um, of people's nervous system that have been really dysregulated and they're starting to really, even if you don't have the words to understand it, you may say, you know what, I'm feeling more stressed than I've ever felt, right? Mm -hmm. I've never had so much tension. I've never been in so much pain. And so the symptoms that are coming up now are just too big for people to ignore anymore. That's why more people are seeking it out. And maybe the answers that they've gone to before haven't provided the solution that they thought they might get. Mm, Interesting. And what do you see like in your sort of daily, like typical week? Like what are some of these things that you see that I can't handle anymore within this? I'm assuming with since the pandemic and shut down, like what are you seeing on a regular basis? Because I think sometimes people feel like they're alone and like they're the only ones that are experiencing, I don't know, I say fill in the blank for me. Like what are you seeing a lot? (laughs) Right. Um, Anxiety comes up, depression comes up, and then it's really torn because we're meant as humans to be, to live in community and to be connected with others, right? And then here you're being told if you touch somebody, something could happen to you, Mm. right? That could be a threat to you. And so people are having to battle, you know, what they're being told from the outside world and then versus what they innately know to be Mm. true, that they need to have other people and surround themselves. So there's different types, groups of people. So the ones that go inward and hide from the whole world, which is what they need at that time or what their experience is. And then there's other ones that are like, okay, so I need to come up with another way to, you know, be in community, such as like a Zoom or virtual way or something like that to fill that need. So we're seeing a lot of polarity right now Mm -hmm. um, in the world. You know, not only that physical aloneness, but then, you know, you've got 
even when you're in community, that physical touch, you know, receiving that hug or to release that oxytocin that we need, that chemical, that that love chemical that our brains and bodies need. And and so how do you think that is and has been impacting people in, you know, how they're living their daily lives. And what do you think that the repercussions of that for this, the world is right now? It's interesting because I had um, a patient a couple months ago that came in, an elderly patient, and she had been isolating at home because she was too scared to go out. And, you know, I was the first place that they came back to, um, which was, which was an honor. But when I put my hands on her, she started to cry right away. And I said, okay, you know what, tell me what you're experiencing. And she's like, well, you're the first person to touch my back or touch me in two years. Mm-hmm. And so that just brought her to tears. I think mm. after that, she noticed that she really, really lacked connection. And that's mm. what she needed most. Yeah, I've, I feel for those elderly or children or that are really downloading these messages of we can't touch or have connection. And it just makes my heart so sad. It aches because I, energetically, I know we're designed to be in community. Like mm-hmm. there's no scientific base that says that's not acceptable. I, So I really struggle with people who I understand whatever reasons they felt like that was the best choice for them at the time. But I think there are repercussions. And, you know, an elderly woman, woman crying because she hasn't had anyone touch her in a couple of years just makes my heart just mm. really cry out because people need connection. Like that's how we thrive. It builds an, a strong immune system, keeps our nervous system regulated. And so kind of circling a little bit back to nervous system, uh, you talk about um, the vagus nerve on healing. And this has been, I mean, not new, new, but a newer avenue in energy healing. And I'm just really curious, like, what is your take on the role of the vagus nerve on healing? Well, the vagus nerve is responsible for about 75% of the parasympathetic, so rest, digest, healing nervous system, right? And so it does play a large role in getting the body to calm, to a state of calm, um, and a state of being able to digest and to rest and all of that. And so I definitely love the vagus nerve. (laughs) It also innervates a whole lot of areas, like starting from the brain, like, you know, so many parts like the voice, right? And then all the way down into the stomach for digestion. And a lot of people, they carry their emotions in their stomach too, right? That's me. Exactly. (laughs) That's me. So that's where that gut brain connection, the vagus nerve carries all those, that information up and back to your brain for you. And so I, I see it as a huge role in Mm -hmm. healing. I know it's so true. I, the first time when, cause I struggled with um, autoimmune digestive issues for so long and someone had uh, you know, and someone asked me, well, do you experience anxiety? I'm like, no, no, I don't. And she's like, oh, yes, you do. You just put it in your gut. It's just in a different place. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do. So I think it's interesting. Like we can experience a similar emotion, but physically it expresses itself very differently depending on how we're all wired up. So what type of vagus nerve, because you mentioned like the voice, because I've heard like humming or chanting can help activate the vagus nerve. Like what type of practices do you do to affect that? Those two are definitely ones. Um, You can gargle as well to get the vagus nerve going. But honestly, I just put on music that I like and get people to dance around and sing. 
Mm. <laughs> Very simple. I have two young kids. We play like this freeze music <laughs> game all the time. Mm -hmm. And I just scream it out. And I know that that's going to help my voice mm. and put me in a good mood too. So it doesn't have to be hard, right? We mm. make it like, oh, you got to do all these things. I like to pack these things into what's already going on in my life, mm. right? So like I take a shower every morning. I start with a cold shower because that helps wake up like my nervous system. And then it turns into a warm one. Great. And then I cool it off at the end as well. So mm -hmm. I'm already showering. It doesn't cost me any extra time to turn it on cold or hot or whatever it is. Mm. And what does the cold water do? So it's uh, this actually comes from, I think Tony Robbins was the first one to start, not first, but like he started doing a cold plunge in the morning. Mm. But it, if you've ever tried it, it wakes you up mm -hmm. very quick. <laughs> it turns your whole body on right away. So I think it's a really quick start to get your body going. And then with the hot and the cold and the hot and cold, that helps also with like lymphatic drainage and moving okay. the movement of the lymphatic system in your body. Mm -hmm. I love doing cold plunges. I've done them a few times and when I was running ultra marathons after a really long run, like a 20 mile run, I'd come home and do an ice bath. And so put, wow. you know, the ice in my bathtub and and just sit in there for like 10 minutes. But there's a flow with that uh, method. So I would remember just having to like really stay present with my breath and really connect with that and not allow my mind to get too carried away with that or think about the coldness. But then it would totally wake me up and allow my body to heal so much quicker. The inflammation would go down and my, I would, my circulation was back up. And so it felt really good. <laughs> I also use it as a mental fitness kind of um, exercise in that I am not a fan actually of cold showers. <laughs> like actually, I have to talk myself into turning it on once I'm standing there. And <laughs> Part of that means if I can do something that I don't want to do and be okay with it, then I can do take on whatever else I need to during the day. Yeah. What a great lesson. I mean, that can spill over into so many other aspects of life for sure. Yeah, I am not a big, I mean, I have occasionally in the summertime, I will do like a cold finish. But yeah, I'm like you, I have to like mentally prepare because I am not a fan of cold. Like I don't even mm. put ice in my water in the summer. <laughs> like I am just, I have a very strong aversion to cold because I'm usually cold most of the time anyway. Mm. But for me, yeah, it's more of the mental buildup yes. of like, oh my gosh, the cold water is coming. Wait for it. Wait for it. You know, <laughs> and then I have to just strengthen up, but it does build a mental resiliency that I am appreciative of. I I haven't totally plunged yet. I am gonna have to work up to that one. I, <laughs> kudos, Stacy, because I I don't think I'm ready for that. Like 30 seconds, I think, is my max time in the shower. <laughs> it definitely took me a long time to get there too, or you know, not a long time, but it took me some time to get there. To, but it was really more of a mind over body kind of thing, and and yes. just being in the present, not thinking about it, and just doing it. That's always been my motto: just do it. <laughs> just do it. it you know, I like that it helps regulate my breath too, because I have to focus mm. even more on that deep breath. And then sometimes I say like an um, affirmation. So like, I'm like, I will not be denied my success. I will not be denied my mm. success. Yes. And I love like what, you know, going back to dancing and singing and how like powerful that is. I know for me, dancing is also my medicine. I could just dance for hours. I recently went to a 
a yoga meditation uh, music festival. And I probably danced for about 12 hours a day, but it was just being in the flow in the moment and, and how much energy you can truly release when you're focused on your body and in that movement, along with singing and moving that energy into the, the throat. And so I love that you give that as a tool for your clients. I'm wondering, are there other things that you might help them activate the the vagus nerve or help move maybe through some of the the trauma freeze layers that they're coming to you with absolutely <laughs> there's so many to talk about um, <laughs> no the simple i like to start like i said i like to do simple things right so that walk in nature right anyone can do that you don't need any fancy you know anything right like my office we've got like the infrared sauna we got the foot bath we got like you could detox all you want Mm. um, which is amazing and fun but you don't need all of that right so I'm really a person that I want to give people tools especially some of the communities that I serve that may not have access to that I want them to be able to go anyone can go out for a walk in nature right so anyone can connect with their breath you're always breathing so breath work number one right even just in through the nose out through the mouth that calming breath Mm -hmm. that's all I tell them you just do that five times a day you know and then come back and let me know how it goes right Mm, yes absolutely simple exercises and and yeah connecting to the breath that's something that we all have right and how much we really take it for granted because so many people are breathing very shallowly and they're only using like a certain percentage of their breath and anxiety and depression, the energy gets stuck in the breath and the breath is actually one of the first things to go when you experience a trauma, right? And so we're like taught to like, like gasp and hold our breath and we are caught holding our breath for so long. And so when we can connect to it and truly take deep breaths, it's life-changing. I'll tell you a story. I tell people that the breath had saved my life. And so I usually run first thing in the morning and it's pretty early. So around 5 a.m. in the morning. And so no one's outside. No one's ever there. And so one day I'm running around the block and um, I hear a dog and it's like growling and barking. And I remember thinking, wow, I'm glad they're on a leash because they're being walked. Right. And then I hear it coming towards me and I see that it's not on a leash. Their Mm -hmm. owner was there, but they didn't have this dog and it was like coming right at me and then a deep voice inside of me said it's going to probably if you run it's going to bite you like it's going to chase you Mm. and so what I did was I took the best like biggest deep breath that I could do to get to calm in an instant Mm. and the dog stopped like it was growling and barking everything but it stopped running towards me and so like the uh, the voice inside my head said you know you are connected to the dog if you calm yourself down then the dog will calm too so beautiful just reminds me of just the connection we have with nature right and animals when you really tune into yourself and your own nervous system calming that animals outside of us will feel that too. I do that a lot with like bees. Bees will start buzzing around me. And instead of like, you know, running or getting scared, it's like, oh, hello, bee, you know, and I'll like have a conversation with it. And it's just buzzing around and it might land on me and I'll allow it to crawl on me, but it doesn't sting me because I'm not like running or afraid or it's the energetics between it. That's an important lesson. Absolutely. And if you can connect to your breath, you don't see it as trauma, right? In the Mm. moment, because 
that experience could have been a trauma. And instead it was, it showed me power, right? It showed me strength because I knew that I could calm my nervous system just based on the work that I've done. I would have never been able to do it had I not Mm. been in the work. And so that just gave me confirmation that I was able to go in the right direction. I love that. So breath work we know is really important embodying the experience we do want. What's another way to optimize our nervous system in the following your desires? Like how can we optimize our nervous system by doing that? Yeah. So fear and intuition have a different voice inside of you, Mm. right? And so fear is like, don't do this danger, danger, (laughs) (laughs) you know, don't move, don't go any further. Right. And your intuition is like a guiding voice, right? It's like, go here, do this, right? Try that. And it might not always make sense, but if your nervous system is in a regulated state, you can actually hear the intuition that doesn't usually speak as loudly as the danger, 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 um, (laughs) fear that's going on in your head. Tapping into that, that real subtle voice rather than like, I'm in danger. And that's like where the nervous system, I think also gets activated is when you feel that feel into that danger and what that might mean for the future and, and recognizing the past is not equal to future. Right. So we are another Tony Robbins reference, (laughs) like, um, which I I come back to a lot because it's, you know, recognizing that our nervous system is focused on the past sometimes. And so when that danger voice comes up, okay, is that related to an experience that I had in the past or is my intuition clear and is this taking this next step and so really noticing the distinction which makes me come to the question of like so so many people struggle with past right and letting go of the past what are some ways that you might be able to show our listeners or or give some guidance on how do we truly let go of the past and what can we do to do that yeah so There's lots of different techniques um, that I usually take somebody through in terms of like, you know, meditations and affirmations and stuff, but ultimately it is also a decision, right? Mm. A decision that you're going to change your focus from who you are to who you want to be, right? The decision that, okay, am I going to make this decision from a place of desire, like for the person that I want to become? or out of fear, like I don't have, there's not enough time, there's not enough money, there's whatever else it is that you're fearful of. Because most of the time, the fear, it's not actual danger, because if it, it if a bear is chasing you, you want that sympathetic nervous system to kick in, right? You want to run away, from whatever it is that you're going to do. And so one of the first things I tell people is when you feel like you're in a state of fear, ask yourself, is this a real threat? Or is it a perceived threat? Right? Like if it's an email, it is not a real threat. Right? And so if your nervous system, your sympathetic nervous system is kicking in, like you feel your heart racing, your palm getting sweaty, you know, you want to run away, your muscles are tight. These are all like your blood pressure increases, heart rate goes up. Those are all signs of your sympathetic nervous system. And so if your email is causing that, it is not a real threat. It is just a perceived threat. And so you can tell yourself, I am not actually in danger. I am safe where I'm exactly where I am right now. I can definitely identify with that. Over the many years I've gracefully aged, I'm realizing that I would say at least 95%, if not more of what I worry about, doesn't actually come to fruition. But yet I've spent all that mental energy worrying about the thing that never even came to be. 
And so I like how you say the perceived, for me, it, it comes out more as worry, but it's still a threat. Like my own thoughts can be threatening because I'm worrying about something that may not even come true. And most of the time it doesn't. And so I think you bring up a good point about, is this really true? And any other thoughts or stories on how we can let go of the past? Because this is what, as of this recording, we are in the season of fall here in the Mountain West and experiencing this like letting go. And it's like nature is showing us with the change of the leaves and the leaves eventually coming and releasing. Like what other things can we take in from this letting go of the past and this season of fall? Well, I just wanted to add to your story about you know, worrying about the future, ah. um, the person that you're going to be in the future, whenever the event that you're worrying about is going to happen is not the same person as you are right now, right? So, so true. you're going to make a different decision if you're at a different frequency, right? Or if you have different information that you don't have in where you are right now, right? So if you're going up the stairs, and you're on the first step, you don't worry about the last step because you might not even want to go up all the flights of the stairs, right? Mm -hmm. And so you're going to be a completely different person, even if the decision is like two days from now, but especially if it's like a year from now, think of how much you can grow, right? And change. And so that might not even number one be a fear, number two, not even be a reality at that point, right? And then you might already have the answers to that because you're not in the same space as you were. So true. And I, I like the analogy of the steps. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of the layers, right? So there's always layers. And so we're not always aware of what the big picture is. Sometimes I think we can get too focused on what the big picture is from a year from now, but that might look a lot different than if we scale back and just take one step or one layer at a time. And that will emerge naturally rather than, okay, this is what I want to do. That can really create a lot of fear and anxieties and overwhelm. And so it, it limits from actually taking those steps. And also like with, in terms of letting go, if it's someone that's harmed you or something that's happened, it's not letting go of what happened to you, but letting go of the energy that is still associated with that person. Like, can you choose and decide to say, I no longer want that anger in my body, mm -hmm. right? It doesn't negate what they did or what happened. It just means I no longer want to hold on to the energy of the anger. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that it's not about them, right? It's about ourselves and choosing to hang on can forgive and doesn't mean that we forget, but we're letting it go and, and that energy, we're not tied to that energy anymore. Yeah. Um, one powerful exercise I found is writing a letter of apology or forgiveness to the person that you want to, and then like burning it or you don't, if you want to give it to them, you can, but you don't have to, right? It's mm -hmm. just the act of getting rid of the energy out of you so you can write it out of you. Mm -hmm. The ritual. I love the power of ritual is really powerful that, you know, when you can burn something or release it in water or, you know, it's, it is a, that energetic release and that can be a really powerful practice. Absolutely. I love that. So thank you so much, Amanda, for just sharing your wisdom with us. It's been such a delightful conversation. Could you tell our listeners where they can find you and anything you're currently working on? Yeah, so my website's the best uh, place, optimizemyhealing.com. I do free monthly workshops. You can sign up on the website if you like. 
And so, yeah, those are all offered free and on Zoom. So anyone can join from wherever you are. Beautiful. And we'll add all of those to our show notes. People can find you easily. So, thank well, so thank you so much for being here with us today, Amanda. We really appreciate this beautiful conscious conversation. And thank you for listening to Be The Love Podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to our show, please share the love by sharing it with your friends, giving us a five-star written review on iTunes, or liking us on Facebook. And please consider supporting our mission to awaken our souls with special guest interviews and speak the love conscious conversations with your co-hosts, myself and Brenda. A monthly donation of $2.22 or $5.55 really helps us with the operating costs of this podcast so we can continue to spread the love. To contribute, visit our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast and stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays and Thursdays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Time. Thank you, Heatherlyn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heatherlyn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphic. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.